from Outside Magazine and PRX. These are Dispatches, stories from our writers in the field. Most of the time, when you're hearing about an athlete, there's an assumption that you're hearing about them because they've just done something for the first time, or the fastest time, or they've come back from an injury no one thought they could come back from. And that's great, but those aren't the only kind of athlete stories. For the last couple of months, the team here at Outside has been working with Strava, the fitness app that tracks your workouts, to identify and tell stories about Strava members for season two of their podcast, Athletes Unfiltered. The show is hosted by Gene Mack, a runner who is about as fast as amateur runners get. But it's a show that's not necessarily about the fastest athletes out there, but people who are confronting that deep down stuff that's not about winning races or setting records, but why they do what they do. The stuff that everyone grapples with when they know they need to get off the couch and out the door. So today we're bringing you the first story from this season about ultra runner Myrna Valerio. Now, if you already know about Myrna, you might be able to guess where this is going. But if you don't, Myrna's story is about how running, which is usually so simple, can get pretty complicated when you don't look like most runners. Especially when you come on the scene and say to everyone, I want to run a marathon. And then I want to keep going. Here's Jean. I want to walk you through this video that I'm watching right now. It was shot on what must have been a GoPro, and it opens with this rocky path in the desert. Behind the path, there's this big expanse of land and this really beautiful sunset happening along the horizon. That little hint of giggling that you can just barely hear is coming from a woman who just appeared on screen. She's a trail runner. She starts running down this rocky path. And the whole thing is just soothing. It looks so relaxing and peaceful. It's hard to say exactly why, but I want to be there in that moment. And it turns out there's a word for this feeling. Wald Einsamkeit. <laughs> Oh my gosh. One more time, please. Wald Einsamkeit. Wald Einsamkeit. I still didn't get it. I know it's it. German. The woman speaking to me in German is Myrna Valeria. She's also the woman in the video. She's an ultra runner, which means that she regularly runs more than 26 miles at a time. She appropriated that word from the German romantic. Wald Einsamkeit because she wanted to find a way to describe the feeling that she has whenever she goes on these long runs by herself out in nature, where she's finally able to feel completely comfortable. There's this feeling of, of having a really intimate relationship with uh, wherever you are, with the ground, with the, the, um, with the ground beneath your feet, with the air and the movement of the air around your face and your body and, and feeling breezes and... and uh, Feeling the breezes like go through your hair um, and, mm. uh, you know, it's just a very, I don't know, um, it's a, it, it makes me feel as though I belong there. I'm going to try something now. I want you to think of Myrna. Picture her. What do you see? And in particular, what kind of body type do you think she has? Here's what some other people said. I imagine she's thin. Skinny? Thin. Slender. You said she was a runner. So, athletic? 
Like, what kind of terminology do you feel like most encapsulates how you think about your own body? Uh, it's a fat body. <laughs> it's definitely a fat body. Um, and I have no trouble using that word. And I know that it makes people uncomfortable, uh, which is why I have no trouble using it, because, you know, I want people to think <laughs> about the words that they use and about the intention behind their words. My name is Jean Mack. I'm a runner, and I work here at Strava. This season on Athletes Unfiltered, I'm talking to endurance athletes whose stories aren't just about winning, losing, or breaking records. This season is about what it means to be an athlete, how life affects training, and training affects life. We're starting it off talking with Myrna Valeria, a woman who's changing what it means to be thought of as fit. Can you still hear your voice? Can I still hear my voice? Yes. Oh, there comes some singing. Do you want a pitch pipe? <laughs> You're so sweet. Okay, I was close. A, A440. Here, I'll put this here in case you need to tune in. But you have perfect pitch. I don't know if you do that. I don't. This is Myrna in a studio in New York doing something she's really, really good at. What could I sing? Um, uh, pick a language. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I guess German. It seems like we're already in that frame of mind. I prefer um, French, okay. but that's your... Myrna's a classically trained yeah, singer who went to Juilliard and Oberlin, two of the best music schools in the country. And she's got the chops to prove it. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Wow. That was so beautiful. I, I'm speechless and I can't believe you just cut yourself off in the middle. Because <laughs> I couldn't remember the next part. Singing has always come naturally to Myrna in a way that running doesn't. You know, running is hard for me. Um, it's you know, it requires a lot of effort. And singing is easy for me. Like, I was, like, naturally talented at singing. I am not naturally talented at running, and it's something that I have to work on every single day. And yet, Myrna runs anyway. For a lot of people, running is about getting fit and staying fit. And at least for me, for a lot of my own running career, being fit has meant being lean. And I knew so many runners who didn't really see the difference, and some who still don't. Myrna also wants to be fit, but she knows that being fit and being fat aren't mutually exclusive. Her idea of fitness, it doesn't look the same as what most people would consider healthy. And some people don't hesitate to let Myrna know exactly what they think. You know, you should really watch your knees. You should really, um, maybe, you know, maybe you should go on a diet. Um, you know, maybe you should lose some weight before you, <laughs> you know, destroy your body or whatever. For Myrna, sure, running is about fitness, but it's also about really feeling yourself through a killer long trail run. And it's hard to get to that place in your mind when people are constantly making comments about you, judging you, or even confused by you. If you look at the ultra running community, it's mostly full of people who are thin and white. Myrna's black, and by her own description, fat. So Myrna's journey has been about trying to break down people's expectations of her and of what a runner should look like. And that journey started in Bushwick, a neighborhood in Brooklyn where Myrna grew up. 
Her family didn't have a ton of money, but Myrna's childhood sounds almost idyllic. All of us grew up together, running around, riding our bikes. Um, we ran up and down the block. We played Red Light, Green Light, and Mother May I, and games like that, and just, you know, having a grand old time. Did you play sports as a kid? I did not play any organized sports as a kid. I. Um, Why not? Because, well, you know, a lot of us didn't. Uh, You needed money in order to do that, Mm -hmm. or your school had to have programs in order for that to happen. Um, And that neither neither of those things uh, existed in, in our schools. So at this point, Myrna was sort of a blissfully ignorant little kid. She didn't think about what she looked like. It hadn't even dawned on her to be concerned about her weight. Until one day that she specifically remembers. It was when she was about nine years old. I was sitting on the toilet, and, um, <laughs> um, and I had these red pants on, and and I was probably reading a book because I, I used to kind of hide in the bathroom and read. And, um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> because it was, I grew up in a really noisy family. And um, so... And you were an introvert, and so I was that's an introvert. gotta be tough. Yes, exactly. It was, <laughs> it was uh, yeah, that was uh, still a tactic that I use today. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so... You know, I had these red polyester pants on and, and a white T-shirt, and I'm looking down at my legs. I'm like, wow, my legs are big. Wow. And uh, so so that was it. That was kind of my, uh, my entry into having uh, awareness about my body. But that was it, just noticing. Okay, my legs are big now. She went to middle school and still had no body image issues. She really didn't get teased. She says it truly wasn't a thing. The thing that did get noticed at that age were her smarts. She was a really bright kid. I was very nerdy. I was um, always, I always had my, I always had my head stuck in books. I loved school. She got accepted to a program at the prestigious nonprofit Prep for Prep, which offers students of color from around New York City help getting into elite high schools. She worked hard, got good grades, and applied to and then got into the master's school, which is a top boarding school in Westchester. The first day of school arrived, and it was hot, super hot. But Myrna still wanted to dress up for her first day. She put on nice pants and a turtleneck. She wanted to make a good impression. And I just, you know, and I really wanted to be at that school. I was so happy to be there. Um, I really wanted to make my mom proud. I wanted to make my family proud. And I, went, I wanted to try as hard as I could. And on that first day, Myrna and a new friend tried to figure out which sport to join. And, uh, you know, we're looking around to see what it is that we wanted to do. We, we looked over to the soccer field, and they were running 10 laps around the field, and we said, we're not doing that. And, and they, looked, they looked like they were traumatized. Uh, we didn't want to be indoors, we, so we said no to volleyball. Um, we didn't want to do community service or dance or anything, and so here was the field hockey field in front of us. We're like, that looks cool. Let's go do that. They look like they're having fun. And so <laughs> we go over, and uh, after they play a couple of introductory games and and uh, and those sorts of things, those kind of like getting to know you games, then it was time to have practice. <laughs> and the very first thing we did in practice was to run five loops of the field. It was mid-September, and it was extremely humid and extremely hot. 
I was sweating and was not wearing anything close to a sports bra or, oh <laughs> or like leggings or shorts. But I had pants on and a turtleneck. <laughs> and that nearly killed me because I had never had to run that much in my life on grass. <laughs> you know, and it was like, um, and it, it, it was just like a totally new experience to me. And, um, I, you know, again, I had never had to exert myself in this way this much. So, yeah, so we're, um, we, we've done that warm up, and I'm like, that's a warm up? Oh my God, <laughs> what's the real workout? The real workout ended up being a timed mile. And then right after that, 10, 20, and 30-yard sprints. That was a lot for Myrna. She was struggling. People were passing her left and right, but she was still working hard the whole time. And her coach saw it. She came up to Myrna in the middle of the drill. And she says to me, hey. And I'm like, obviously I couldn't breathe or answer her back, so I was just nodding. And uh, hey, you, you're doing a great job. This is hard, right? Well, you're doing great. Keep at it. That was huge for Myrna. She got recognition. She got encouragement. And not just from her coach. Everybody on the team was extraordinarily nice and accommodating. And no one berated me for being slow or not knowing what I was doing. And it was, it was just, the, there was a sense of camaraderie that I had never felt anywhere uh, in a school setting. But I started running the next day because I wanted to be better at it. And then I started falling in love with that routine. And I mean, we definitely got better. She finished her freshman, then sophomore, then junior year. She loved school. She got good grades and she was singing a ton. And she really excelled at it too. She was so good that she got into a program for high schoolers at Juilliard. And then, just before her senior year of high school, Myrna went in for a physical. And I went to, it was a, this new doctor, I didn't know him. Um, and, uh, you know, he looks at my charts and it doesn't, he doesn't know me, you know, and the only thing he has to say to me is that you are obese. <laughs> and then he walks out of the room. Jesus. And, uh, and then signs my physical forms and then we leave. And, but that, but there, there was so much behind his tone uh, that it, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable. It just pissed me off and it made me angry, you know, because here, you know, here I am. I'm, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, you know, at this prestigious high school. I'm doing well in school. I'm about to go to college. I've, I've done all these things. I'm a big singer at school. And all he can say to me is that I'm obese. Um, so yeah. he did not see or care about the actual person that I am. So, um, so yeah, that was that was that was sad. That was, um, you know, as I said, it made me angry and it made me, um, uh, yeah. So yeah, not exactly the perfect way to start off senior year of high school in a new prestigious program. But Myrna pushed forward. She finished high school and went to Oberlin, where she double majored in music and Spanish. Then she graduated, moved back to New York, got a job in corporate America, left that job in corporate America to become a music teacher at her old school. Then she got married and had a son. All during this whirlwind time, she kept running, doing the occasional 5K, nothing too wild. Then she got a new job as a music teacher in Maryland. But her husband stayed in New York for his job. And their son, who was one and a half, moved with Myrna. 
and things were rough. It was a really stressful job, and uh, my son was always sick, I was always sick, <laughs> and we just kind of treated colds and bronchitis and all those nasty germs that he would bring back from <laughs> from daycare and that I would probably bring back from school. And so I missed a lot of school. He missed a lot of school. And it was just, uh, it, it never let up. Myrna didn't have time to run and she couldn't sleep. She was constantly anxious. Um, I gained a lot of weight and I've always been a big girl, but um but I gained even more weight. And, uh, you know, I would, every now and then I would get back into a routine for like four weeks and then he would get sick again and then I would have to stop. This horrible cycle kept happening. It continued for a year, two years. Then before she knew it, three years had passed. One day, she was driving with her son in the back of the car and all of a sudden, she started to feel this pain in her chest. It was like in my, like right underneath my my breast, um, and it was really deep, and uh, and and it was kind of rhythmic, and I'm and you know like you know I was shaking a little bit because you know I was hyperventilating. I didn't know what was happening to me, so I was thinking I was having a heart attack. <laughs> I was dying. She eventually went to the hospital. And when she got there, she found out that, no, she wasn't having a heart attack. It was a panic attack. And the doctor she saw didn't exactly calm her down. You know, he says, how old is your son? And I said, he's five. And he goes, do you want to see him grow up? And there was this sort of abyss of silence um, that probably seems longer than it was but but in that silence you know it clicked I was like okay <laughs> in my mind and in my heart I knew what it was that I had to do and what was that well I had to get back on the wagon I started running on the treadmill. I had happened to have a treadmill at home that I had just purchased. And so I, I started back with a mile every day, every other day. Then that grew to two miles and 5Ks because I wanted to really have a goal. So 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, uh, you know, a couple of years later. I started um, really thinking about what my the awesome things that my body could do, and I really wanted to push my body. And so when a friend, another friend, another colleague, um, teachers are very pushy, <laughs> suggested that, <clears throat> that I sign up for a marathon, a full marathon. All this time, Myrna was posting updates on Facebook, just for her friends and family. And she got lots of love from them. Then one day, she was sitting in a school meeting, talking with one of those pushy teacher friends named Leslie. And so my friend Leslie says, hey, you know, why don't you just do a blog because you're a writer and you should just do a blog so you can actually do the thing that you love and, and talk about the thing that you love doing. So uh, so she helped me set it up. And I called it Fat Girl Running because I was fat, I was a girl, and I ran. Did you have any other names that came up when you were trying to think about what to call it? Nope. Or was it just that was it. always that, that was one? It. That really? was it. it. Like, it was the name that came to me. It was the first thing that came to me uh, because that's how I identified. You know, I was going to write about myself and my story and, and things that, that I had to share. From 2011 to 2017, Myrna wrote posts like, Let's Talk Running Shoes, where she describes trying to buy her first new pair of running shoes as a teenager. The sales guy looked at her and was clearly trying not to laugh. I was 17, Myrna wrote. 
just about to start college, and at that point, I didn't realize that it would be just one of many daily indignities that I would experience as a runner because I didn't fit into that young man's perception of a runner. Some of her other popular posts are speed for the slow among us, calling BS on BMI, and how to be a fat runner in 10 simple steps. The blog is energetic, smart, refreshing, and inspirational. And you can really hear Myrna's voice shining through it all. And I didn't write in it regularly. Um, sometimes I wrote in anger. Sometimes I wrote yeah. you know, when uh, there was a funny story or, um, or I had some sort of epiphany about something. And then what kind of feedback did you get from people who read the blog? Well, like? you know, it, well, the, I got feedback from just naming it Fat Girl Running, first of all. Uh, you know, people were un- uncomfortable with that. Well, you know, I, I would get... Um, uh, messages and, and emails. Well, you know, I really, I really think that you should probably name it something else because you know a lot of people, you know, think, well, fat is a really negative word. <laughs> well, I said, like, well, it's not mm. negative to me, um, and this is how I identify. And <laughs> one person said to me that they were um, offended, but that I would call it fat girl running. I'm like, well, this is my story, not yours. I'm not talking about you. Um, and um, you know, why don't you call it, you know, fat to fit? I was like, well, you know, it's funny because I I can do half marathons, I can do this, I can swim a mile, I can. I'm, I think I'm pretty fit. So so no. <laughs> um, <laughs> or why don't you call it just you know girl, fit girl or fit girl running or something? I'm, no no. And so so people really had a problem with that. But you know, I just stuck to my guns and. Um, and use the name as it was because it really did describe who I was and who I am to a T. And so mm-hmm. in this blog and in my first post, um, you know, I, I said that, well, this is not a weight loss blog. <laughs> uh, I mean, I might talk about it from time to time, but this is not a weight loss blog. That's not what I'm talking about. This is, you know, a place where I will share stories about my experiences as a larger woman in a field of much thinner athletes um, doing, doing endurance sports. And that's exactly what it was. And through the blog, Myrna started to gain a following. She also got a ton of great feedback and lots of people trolling her, criticizing her for not looking the way they thought a runner should look, accusing her of lying about how much she runs. Myrna's a pretty confident person, but that type of constant criticism, from time to time, it would get to her. She'd stew on the comments during a run, then come home and respond on her blog. Or there was one time when she got a new doctor and was filling out a health history form. She'd never even met this doctor, but she just knew that he was going to say what all the doctors she'd ever seen said. She needed to start exercising. (laughs) And in it, and I'm paraphrasing it because I don't have it right in front of me, but um, I said, listen, uh, I already know that I'm fat. (laughs) Um, so you don't need to tell me that I am an ultra marathoner and that means that I run races of 26.2 miles and up I do marathons I work out nearly every day so um, please don't make assumptions about me please don't ask me to exercise because I exercise probably more than everybody in your office does like and I just went on and on and you know what the the my I 
my doctor actually responded to that um, positively. Thank you for letting us know. And, and never did I go to that doctor's office uh, and and have somebody make an assumption about me because of the way that I looked. But anyway. Yeah. Well, actually, do you mind if I ask, like, I know this is kind of contradictory, but I've, I read that somewhere you kind of mentioned that, like, deep down, like somewhere kind of far away inside you, you aren't always satisfied with your weight and like you could maybe see yourself being thinner. And does that just have to do with like your goals for running or where does that desire come from? Speed. That's that's really what it boils down to. Because <laughs> yeah. I know I have the endurance. I have the longevity. Um, <laughs> you know, I know that I can do it. I know that I have the strength to do it. It's just a matter of speed. Like if I were thinner, then I would be faster. And I like I know that to be true. You know, so it's the truth. But um, but but that's not my primary concern. My primary concern is getting out there and testing my body uh, and seeing how long I can go. I like I love endurance and I think I have a body that is built for endurance. By the end of last year, a lot of people had started to take notice of Myrna. She was featured in People magazine, National Geographic, and Runner's World. She was becoming a minor celebrity, but she was also still teaching, and now at a new school in Georgia. And she loved her job, but the media stuff was kind of taking over her life. My colleagues, I said, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you still here? Even our students noticed that maybe it was time for Myrna to move on, to take the next leap. Okay, well, the student said to me, um, <laughs> my last couple of months, they, they, I hadn't announced that I wasn't returning, and he came into my my office <laughs> and said, Miss Valerio, can I talk to you? I'm um, like, yeah. <laughs> he said, um, he's like, I love you. I just, I just had to say this. Um, you need to leave this place because your star is rising. <gasps> a high schooler said that to um, you? 10th grader said this to me. What a wise high schooler. Myrna left that job. She wrote a book. And now she runs, writes, and speaks about running full time. But she still occasionally gets flack from people or weird looks when she's running. She's reshaping people's expectations about what a runner should look like, but she hasn't reached everyone. But people know who she is. They recognize her. When she shows up at races, people aren't surprised. She's even someone who running events will advertise. Like, Myrna Valeria will be at this race. So do you feel like, like, has it happened? Has your star risen? Or is it still rising? Or what do you think? Um, you know, like, I don't want to sound, like, narcissistic. Please do. <laughs> you have to. It's a podcast. But you know what? But, you know, I am living my best life right now. When I think about how Myrna has gotten to this moment where she's living her best life, it strikes me that Myrna's story has a couple of contradictions. The first one is that the running world celebrates her for her body. The running world also criticizes her for her body. And then there's the fact that Myrna is in great shape. Myrna is also fat. But this is a false contradiction. Because no matter what she looks like, she's a freaking ultra runner. She's celebrated and looked up to, not despite the fact that she's an overweight ultra runner, but because of it. Instead of changing herself to look like the professional athletes around her, she changed what a professional athlete could look like. And if a fat body can be a fit body, 
then maybe we should think about fitness the way most of us think about Myrna's other talent. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, let's uh, sing all of that. When someone steps up to the starting line of an endurance event, a lot of us think we can tell whether they're going to finish or how hard it's going to be for them based on their body type. But body type doesn't tell us how motivated they are, what they're trying to accomplish, or where they are in their training. Something different happens when someone steps up to the mic to sing. We don't look at them and make assumptions about their abilities. We don't judge them for showing up. Instead, we just sit back in our seats and we wait to see what they can do. That's Jean Mack talking with Myrna Valerio. This is the first episode of season two of Athletes Unfiltered. Find the rest of season two wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was written and produced by Jean Mack and Alex Kappelman. Editing by me, Peter Frickwright, and Kyle McCall. It was brought to you by Strava, the best app for runners and cyclists, with millions of users worldwide. The Outside Podcast is a production of Outside Integrated Media and PRX. We'll be back next week.